you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of John uh, chapter 10. John chapter 10. We're going to be wrapping up uh, our series on the Holy Spirit uh, called The Helper this morning. Um, it's not an exhaustive series. It's one we'll come back and visit some more and look a little bit more in depth. But we wanted to give kind of what I would call like a 30,000 foot view. And so we talked in week one about who the Holy Spirit was and how the Holy, Fe- Holy Spirit fits into the Trinity. Uh, and so, and, and we talked a lot about the Trinity on that one. Uh, the second one was the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the Spirit who uh, abides, who dwells in us, um, who teaches, who testifies, and who uh, bears truth. Um, I'm drawing a blank on last week. One of you guys with the notes up there, help me out. What was last, last week was uh, the activity of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we talked about what the Holy, you know, the activity of the Holy Spirit. This week we're going to talk about, uh, I, and I'll be honest with you. So this last week, like I was stressing over this morning. Uh, I got to, I just, what I wanted to talk about was how to hear the Holy Spirit. Like, and so Luke and I were having discussions and, and we were at camp last week and I was talking to other pastors like, well, how do you describe what it's like to hear the Holy Spirit, what is it, what does his voice sound like? What do you, you know, what's kind of the experience behind it? And the more that I began to unpack it, I did the best thing I knew how to do. When I have a question, I go to the scriptures. And so I decided what I'd do is I just sit down and I just start reading in the Gospel of John. And I came to this passage in John chapter 10, and I realized my problem and why I couldn't wrap my mind around how we hear the Holy Spirit was that I was approaching the question in an entirely, in in the wrong way entirely. You ever have that happen to you where you're asking a question and and you think you know what the answer is and then you get to, you come to find out that the question you were asking was the wrong question completely. That's what happened to me this week. And so I got to reading this passage in, in, in John chapter 10. And if you have your Bibles, uh, like I said, flip with me there. But in John chapter 10, I don't know if your Bible has like this, you know, the, the categories or the, the little topical things in it. But this is a, the, the story that, or a, a, an illustration that Jesus gives regarding himself and being the good shepherd. Now, it's interesting is that we have you know, the 23rd Psalms that says the Lord is my shepherd. We, we see him referred to here as the good shepherd. I believe it's Hebrews that refers to him as the great shepherd. And so there's all these, this imagery here uh, for us. And so this would have been something not lost on the people that he was speaking to at the time. Uh, sheep were a critical part of the economy, really, of the, of the temple. Uh, there were shepherds spread out all over Jerusalem raising sheep uh, for sacrifices, and, and, were, and, and sheep was big industry then. So, there were, so this would have been something very familiar to them, but this is what he says in verse 1. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. Now get this, it says the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. God, that, that you have, that you know our names, that you have called us by name. 
Lord, your word tells us that as you call us, Lord, we know your voice. We know what that voice sounds like. And Father, I pray that you would just give us more wisdom and discernment, Lord, to determine and be able to differentiate between your voice, Lord, and, and the voice of strangers that, 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 that compete for us listening to your voice. God, we confess to you, Father, that we need more of you. Father, we don't need more earthly wisdom. God, there are a lot of great preachers out here. And Father, there's a lot of great uh, Bible teachers. But Father, we need more of you and your word. We need more of your indwelling Holy Spirit, God. We need more of us turning an attentive ear towards you, Father. Because God, we know your voice. And God, I pray that you would not only help us to know your voice more clearly, but God, that you would help us to, to hear what you're saying. And that God, we would respond in, in faith and in obedience, Lord. Father, I believe that there's a great work that you desire to do in your church and in, in your people. God, that there's great work to be done by your church through your people. And Father, I pray that you would, would help us, Lord, to, to not fall prey to the fatalistic mentality that things are just gonna happen as they are and that we have no power to overcome those things. But God, we know that you are in control of all things. God, then you desire to work through your people. And so, Father, I pray, God, that we would press into you and allow you to work through us, Lord, that we can see real and lasting change in the lives of other people, in the culture in which we live, Lord, in the future in which we have to look forward to. So, God, I pray that you would help us to find our hope in you, Lord. There would be a, a hope that, that comes from you, Lord, that's a hope that is in you. But, God, that hope permeates everything else the lives we are living right now, Lord, the, the future that's in store for our, for our families and for our children, Lord. And God, I pray that you would use us, Lord, and, and every other church in our community, in our state, in our nation and world, Lord, that God, that real transformation would come. For it's in Christ's mighty and powerful name we ask all these things. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So as, we, as I was thinking about this, I, I, the, my whole frame of mind was what can, how can I describe what it means for God to speak to us? I think it's a question that a lot of people ask, well, what, you know, and, I've, and I've referenced it a lot over the years, like when you feel the Holy Spirit move or when the Holy Spirit communicates with you. And I felt like I never have done a good job of, of communicating what exactly that means. And I'm going to be honest with you, if that's what you are looking for this morning, it's not going to happen. Because here's, here's the best way I can describe it. As I was reading through the passage, trying to find an answer to the question, here was the answer that I arrived at when I got to this passage. It was one of those moments where you're just reading and you're praying and you feel like God answers a question even though it's not really the question that you had. What does it sound like when God speaks to us? And here's the truth of the matter that, I, that we've got to understand. We know what God's voice sounds like. You and I, we know, if you are a child of God this morning, you know what God's voice, the Holy Spirit ministering to us, you know what that's like because it is the very same thing that led you to salvation in the first place. Amen. It's the same exact thing. When you're sitting in that pew or you're lying in your bed or wherever it was, if you at the restaurant, wherever it was, you got saved. You knew you needed to be saved and that was not your doing. The Holy Spirit enables us to understand that we are sinners in need of the grace of God. And so when we come to him in faith, 
It is because God has enabled us to, to understand that truth and he is guiding us to make that decision. So we know what his voice sounds like. In fact, Jesus says, the sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. So we know what, this, the, what this, the voice of God sounds like. We know what that Holy Spirit moving in us. Well, the question that I was failing to ask was this, what are the obstacles to us hearing and obeying God, you know, the, the, the Spirit's movement in our hearts? That, I think, is the bigger question. What is preventing us? What hindrances, what obstacles do we have that when we hear the voice and we know or sense or just have a feeling that this is what God is wanting us to do, why do we not do the things that he wants, to, wants us to? And I'm reminded again of, of Paul's words when he says, look, man, I do, and this isn't the ESV or the King James, but he says, look, man, I don't do the things that I know I ought to. And I do the things that I know I shouldn't. But yet the Holy Spirit in us is doing two things. One, it's causing us to remember God's word so that we remember what we ought to do, but it's also convicting us when we do something that we shouldn't. And we would be wise to listen to that voice. Life would be a so much, e I don't wanna call it easier. Life would be so much better and joy filled if we would do the things that God is calling us to do and here's the kicker, when God is calling, the, calling us to do them. So let me give you four obstacles this morning to us hearing and obeying the Holy Spirit. Number one is this, you don't know God. That's pretty simple, right? If I'm not hearing him, it's probably that you, don't, you may not know him. I think sometimes we get into this, 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 this moving where we have, man, it's hard to say this without having an indictment on myself. We get into an easy believism. Man, if we just come to church and we read my Bible, let me tell you about a time in my life. I was a freshman in college, coming off a year, my senior year of high school, man, I was doing, well, I, I won't say I was doing all the right things. I was doing some wrong things too. But I was checking a lot of boxes that were the right thing. So I was teaching a Sunday school class of a, a group of first graders as a senior in high school. I go off to college and every night I'm reading my Bible and I'm checking the box some things happened in my life and life spiraled out of control. And I remember laying in bed one night, even though I had checked all those boxes, I remember laying in bed one night thinking if I died right now, I, there was no way I could convince myself that I was gonna go to heaven. It was the scariest night of my life. One of the nights when I was out doing things I shouldn't have been doing and thinking I was gonna die. It was that moment lying in bed having read my Bible and realizing that I'd been going through a life where all I was doing was checking boxes. There was no relationship at all with Christ. There was no relationship with the Holy Spirit. It was just me checking boxes. I taught Sunday school. I went to church on Sunday. I was reading my Bible on a daily basis, but I wasn't getting anything out of it. In no way, shape, or form were any of the things I was doing affecting or impacting the life that I was living. In fact, if you were to line me up with every other football player on that team, my life looked no different except I took three minutes a night to read a chapter of the Bible. That was it. Everything else about my life was exactly the same. And we get into this thing where, where we're checking boxes and we're doing those things and the reality is, and Jesus warns us, that to me it's the scariest passage in all the scripture 
When he says uh, something along the lines of, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will see the kingdom of heaven. Now, folks, that's scary to think that you could be sitting in church and still be lost. You could be coming here for 20 years and still not know the one that you sing songs to every day or that you read his word. And when you just don't know him, you're not saved. There's no relationship with him. We're just checking boxes. Nowhere in the scriptures does Jesus say, hey, if you check enough boxes, you'll see the kingdom of heaven. Nor does it say, if you check enough boxes, you're my child. He says, if we are children of God, his spirit dwells within us and his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are indeed children of God. This Holy Spirit has to reside inside of us and it only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. So if we're not hearing him, I think it is crucial for us to say, Lord, why am I not? Because it may be, and, be, and listen, we're gonna talk more about this in a minute, but maybe it's because you don't know him like you think you do. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe it's our fault. Maybe it's your fault. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. Blame can't be cast on anybody else because your faith is your responsibility. We're not going to get to heaven and, and be like, well, why, you know, why didn't you get saved? Well, the Sunday school teacher didn't explain it to me. Well, the preacher didn't preach enough on it. He's going to say, did you have this? And what choice did we make? Because he gives us that choice. And so if, you're not, if you can't hear him, the first, the first place we have to ask ourselves is this, do I know him? Have I placed my faith and trust in him? Uh, John chapter, if you flip back just a, a, a page in your Bible, maybe, listen to what Jesus says to the Pharisees. Now, if anybody was supposed to know who God was, it was gonna be the Pharisees. But listen to what he says to them in verse 47. Kind of reinforces our, our truth here. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. So we know his voice, the sheep know his voice. He says, whoever's of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Now, boy, that'll stop you in your tracks, won't it? And so let us examine ourselves. Lord, am I checking boxes or do I have a relationship? Number two, the second reason why we don't hear or obstacles to hearing the Holy Spirit is that simply this, we don't wanna hear him. We do not want to hear what God might ask us to do. And so what do we do? We do what any rebellious child does. We ignore. Man, how many times on a Sunday morning, maybe I'm, my family's the only one like this. Hey, did you brush your teeth? Go brush your teeth. Hey, did you brush your teeth? Go brush your teeth. Hey, did you, go, you brush your teeth? This morning, Ashley's like, she tells one of our children, I won't call, call them out, said, I want you to sit down and eat breakfast and you need to go get dressed. And the response was, but, and then it was something. I don't know what it was, but I won't have time to play, but I won't have this, but I won't. That's us. Like we, we may, we, but why do we not hear? What's an obstacle to us hearing the Holy Spirit speak to us? We frankly aren't listening because we don't want to hear what he has to say. We enjoy our sin too much or we're afraid of what he might ask us, um, which begs the question, you know, do we know him? Because the reality is like, and it's, again, it's this, flesh, it's this flesh and spirit waging war. The spirit may be willing, but the flesh is weak. And so there's this constant battle between what we want to do and what the spirit may be leading us to do. 
And that, and that battle even can wage into our families where God's speaking to one and maybe not speaking to the other. And there's, so there's like sometimes a, a tension that, that can be created there. But listen, that tension is not of God. So we've got to understand that, that we need to listen and because God's not gonna lead one partner in a direction that he's not gonna lead the other one. But sometimes one wants to hear and one doesn't. And so we pray, God, would you lead our family in the direction you would like for us to go? And I'll be lying to you if I said that there weren't times that Ashley would come to me and she'd say, honey, I really feel like this is where the Lord's leading. And I'm like, no. And you know what? She's been right. Why? Because I didn't want to hear in my logical mind, there were things that God was calling our family to do that Ashley was in tune to that I didn't want to listen to. I didn't want to hear. And if we're not careful, man, we fall into those same traps. Thank God for godly spouses. Amen. Where would we be if there wasn't one who was saying, Lord, we just want what's best for our family. And man, I'm thankful for that woman because there have been more times than not she's kept me out of a ditch because she sensed God's moving in a particular area and I, and I didn't. And so she moves. So we gotta, we gotta listen. And so every decision we make, every listen, if you don't hear anything else this morning, please listen to this. Every decision you make is a spiritual decision. You say, what difference does it make where I work? it does make a difference. What difference does it make where, uh, wh- whether or not I buy this car? It makes a difference. It sounds silly, but, w- but, we, but it, it get, every, every decision you make is a spiritual decision. Write that down somewhere. It, we're gonna come back to that in a minute. Every decision you make is a spiritual decision. Number three, don't, you don't acknowledge the Holy Spirit as God. You don't acknowledge the Holy Spirit for what he is. Let me explain this a little bit. We have a tendency to think of the Holy Spirit merely as a conscience. You know, the whole thing when we're growing up as kids, I don't know, maybe your house was different, but the angel, you know, angel sat on your right shoulder, devil sat on your left shoulder, shoulder, and there would be this competing. And what we have a tendency to do sometimes is we turn the Holy Spirit into one of many voices vying for our attention. And this is how we, this is how we interpret that. Oftentimes we interpret it logically and we say, this is one of many options. Therefore, I need to, I need to determine what is best for me. I can't be the only one who has a tendency to think like that. The Holy Spirit speaks, we interpret that as one of many voices, and then we, in our minds we say, well, now I need to figure out what's best for me. Every decision you make is a spiritual decision. And so what do we do? We start looking at things logically. What makes sense? Well, it makes sense that I would stay here because I've got a good job. It would make sense that I would do this because my family's settled. It would make sense for me to do this and, and that's how we view things. It would make sense. It makes sense, right? And anybody else would say, absolutely, it makes sense. And you say, okay, now I feel good about my decision. But deep down, there's something going on there that you really don't feel entirely good about the decision that you made. Why? Because there are times in life where the spirit will work in logical fashion. 
But there's a lot of times where the spirit leads us in an illogical direction. It's not going to make sense. He's gonna call us to do something and people are gonna look at us and go, what? You're going where? You're doing what? You gave what to what? I mean, they're gonna, it's not gonna make sense to anybody else, but you're going to know that it's the right thing. Why? Because the sheep know his voice. We know the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so we cannot, turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16. Get there myself. Proverbs chapter 16. Verse 9. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. Man, there's a whole lot of good stuff in the Proverbs. In fact, if you're not spending much time in the Proverbs, you can read one chapter a day every month of the year or every day of the year. One chapter, 31 chapters, 31 days. Some days you're in, some months you'll obviously get through some. But listen, every time you open that book, you're gonna discover something new that you didn't catch the time before. And before a year's up, there's a pretty good chance like every verse in the book of Proverbs is gonna be highlighted or circled or something. But listen to what he says. Proverbs chapter six, verse nine. The heart of a man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. Now I want you to chew on that some this week. So write that down somewhere, highlight it, stick your bulletin in there, circle the verse, Proverbs chapter 16, verse nine. But here's the thing. Our hearts often want to set the course of action for our lives. We also learn from Jeremiah that our hearts are above all things deceitful, right? So we can be deceived by our hearts. We can be deceived by our logic. And believe it or not, one of the things the Holy Spirit does is it can prompt us to make decisions now that are a hedge against the future. In other words, let me put it another way. There are times when the Spirit maybe calling us to make a decision now because he knows what's gonna happen in our future. Let's put it another way. You know the Holy Spirit knows the future? He knows what's gonna happen. You don't think he wants to do some guiding in your life because he knows what's happening in the future? Every decision you make is a spiritual decision. And so we listen for the Holy Spirit. We don't avoid it, we don't ignore it, we don't simply fail to acknowledge it. But here's the thing. Here's number four. Well, obstacles to hearing the Holy Spirit isn't really an obstacle to hearing it. It's a decision that we make to simply not obey him. We know exactly what he wants us to do. We've known it. We've probably talked to somebody about it. But because it wasn't logical, because it didn't make sense in our minds, we just didn't do it. Or we, do, or we just say, well, I'll do that, but God, let me first, and then we fill in the blank. Let me first do this, and then I'll do this. But that's not what God calls to you. In fact, if you were here this, uh, Wednesday, a couple Wednesday nights ago, when we started our study on Peter, one of the things that's incredible about Peter is Jesus calls Peter, and what, what the Bible tells us, that Peter immediately left his nets and followed Jesus. He didn't say, well, let me finish up this fishing trip. He didn't say, well, let me find a replacement for my job. I need to find someone to replace me in the boat. He just said, listen, it just says he immediately dropped his nets. 
sorry, dad, and he left with Jesus. And sometimes that's the response that God calls us to. In fact, when he calls us to move, the reality is he's probably been doing, I'll not say probably, when God calls us to finally take a step, there has been some preparation in our lives prior to that to enable us to make that first step. But then when he calls us to take that step, like it's time. It's not let me pray about it. Because what we turn prayer into is a holy procrastination. I use that term loosely. We turn prayer, hey, can you teach a Sunday school class? Let me pray about it, which is a very nice way of you just telling us no, right? Let's call it for what it is. Let me pray about it. When you tell me you're praying about something, what I naturally think is you just told me no. Because there are things that the Bible just simply tells us to do that we ought to be doing, not teaching Sunday school class, that's just an example. When our response to it ought to be a fervent yes, not Hmm, I'm gonna need to pray about that. There are things that don't, there are things that like we just like, if they're in the word, like we just do those things. We don't have to pray about them. Bible says do it, we just do it, right? And so we've got to remember that. But what happens when we don't listen to the Holy Spirit? And I'm gonna fly through this here pretty quickly because I wanna get to something else. What we have to understand is when we fail to obey the Holy Spirit, our spiritual growth as individuals becomes stagnant. When God calls us to do something and we don't do it, we stall out spiritually. Now, we don't wanna think that. We think we can grow past that disobedience, that we can grow past this rebellion. But the reality is that if we aren't obeying God, we stagnate. Like, we just stall out. Like, we don't really grow much more. Why? Because when God calls us to do something, it's for his purposes. Like there's a reason why God calls us to do step A. And if we don't take step A, we're not gonna be taking step B. And if we don't take step B, we're not going to step C. In God's economy, everything builds on something else. And so some, for some of us, like that's a starting, startling realization that man, I'm not really grown spiritually the way that God wants me to because I've rebelled in some area in my past and I need to go back and make the, let me give you an example of this. Think of, think of Jonah, right? Jonah tells, God tells Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I want you to preach the gospel to the people. And Jonah's response is what? Ain't no way. Ain't no way I'm going, you know them dirty, rotten scoundrels? Like them dudes are awful. I'm not going. So what's he do? He gets on a boat headed for the opposite direction. I've been there. You've been there? Here's what God wants me to do. I'm going the other way. What happens to Jonah when he's on that boat? Does God say, oh yeah, I'm gonna let you sail off. Enjoy the vacation. See you when you get home. What's he do? He sends a storm so bad that seasoned sailors think they're gonna die. Like, I'm not talking about like the waves get a little choppy and the boat's pitching and rolling. I'm talking these guys are throwing off the very things that they are getting paid to haul. They're chucking them overboard because they think they're gonna die. Jonah says, hey guys, it's me. You throw me overboard, it's gonna stop. With throws them overboard, what happens? Boy, that, that water gets as smooth as glass. And then chomp. I mean, we know how the story goes. Jonah gets swallowed by a big fish. He repents for his rebellion. God spits him out on shore. 
But God doesn't say, hey, I'm glad, you're, I'm glad you're sorry for not doing what I ask you to do, but that doesn't get you out of doing what I ask you to do. You've repented, now I need you to go do the very thing that got you in trouble in the first place. You rebelled, now go. So what's he do? He goes in, he says a seven-word sermon, something along the lines of repent or you'll be destroyed or something like that. And you know what happens? Something amazing happens. That whole city gets saved, right? The whole city gets saved. But God still called Jonah to go back and do the thing that he didn't do to begin with. And some of us, that's where we're at. Like we feel like stagnated spiritually. We have got to do the thing that God told us to do to begin with and we just haven't done. And get ourselves back on track. Like it's good to repent of disobedience. But if we're repenting of disobedience while maintaining that disobedience, what good is that repentance done, right? So we've got to do what's right. We've got to do that thing that God is calling us to do. We've also got to understand this. Number two, so one, we stagnate, but two, the church stagnates. The Bible says and over and over again that we are one body. We are one body. So if you're stagnating, if you aren't growing in the process that God wants you to do, your stagnation may be leading to the stagnation of somebody else. You see, here's the thing. I want to get this right, and I wrote this down. Let me go back to my notes real quick. What God does in my life impacts this church, all right? Can we all agree on that? What God does in my life impacts this church. What God does in your life impacts this church. And when I say that, I say that like this. It's us, we, we are the church. There's no one, one person more important than the next. What God does in my life impacts this body of believers. What God does in your life impacts this body of believers. If I'm stagnant, if I'm stagnant, I'm leading to stagnation in other people's lives. Why? Because maybe God wants to do something in my life. I'll give you an example. God did something in the lives of our, of our teens, our students, this last week at camp. What God did in their life there is gonna impact our lives here. What God does in your life is gonna impact the life of someone else. What God teaches you as we follow him is going to mean you being able to talk to someone else who's going through the exact same thing in their life. And we can look them in the eye and we say, let me tell you about a time that I trusted the Lord, even though it made no sense at all. I trusted him. And let me tell you how that has played out in my life. You say, well, what about people learning from my mistakes? I had a guy tell me one time, he said, I would rather learn from my own mistakes than learn from the, the mistakes of others. And I looked him dead in the eye and I said, you, my friend, are an idiot. You, my friend, are an idiot. And he looked partly offended by it. And I said, listen, man, you're an idiot. Why would you want to suffer mistakes when you've got people willing to come alongside you and help you learn from there so you don't make the same ones? right? Like, let's not make mistakes for mistakes, but we're going to make bad choices sometimes, and other people ought to learn from that. But we want to encourage people and build people up. Follow the Lord. Because our testimony ultimately is much better in obedience than it is in disobedience. We say, listen, let me tell you how God blessed my life because I did something that everybody else told me was a dumb idea. But God was leading me in that. 
And so we trust him and we follow him. And then we allow the, 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 the victory that we have in Christ we allow Christ to be glorified and magnified and exalted because I'm going to other people and I'm saying, listen, this is what Christ did in my life and he wants to do the same for yours. Let me pray that you would understand God's will for your life and follow him in obedience because obedience is so much better than disobedience. And so if you want to hear God's spirit a little bit clearly, write on, the, on somewhere, write H-E-A-R. And this is silly but I hope it's effective. And we're gonna wrap up. Number one, H, you wanna hear from God more clearly? Humble yourself. Humble yourself. This is gonna come to surprise to some of you. You don't know everything, right? Like we don't know everything. What do we need to do? We need to humble ourselves in our heads, humble ourselves in our heads, humble ourselves in our hearts and acknowledge that God knows what is best. So we humble ourselves. You want to hear from God? Humble yourself. Number two is this, E, educate yourself. Educate yourself. What is the, what is the, the, the purpose of the Holy Spirit teaches, right? And inside that teaching, it is calling to us a remembrance of the things that Jesus has taught. Well, if we're not spending time in the word, how are we going to remember anything at all? And so we've got to educate, well, we got to study God's word. We got to be in it, not just checking a box, but reading it as the word of God, praying over it. God, would your Holy Spirit be my teacher, my guide to the text, guide my thoughts, guide my, my mind, guide my heart, guide me as I read your word. Let it be life to me, but educate yourself. There are times when the very questions that you are seeking answers to will come if you will humble yourself and open up the word of God and, allow, and come under the word of God. Allow the word of God to wash over you. You will find the answers to the questions that you have. So educate yourself. Number three, A, ask. Ask. Well, who do I mean by that? Well, we could, one, we need to ask in prayer. We want answers. The first person we need to go to is Jesus. Like we'd be praying. Ask the Holy Spirit specifically. Like there's nothing wrong with praying. Holy Spirit, would you guide me? Like would you direct me and help me to know the right decision that I need to make? Would you help me? We're asking God Himself and the Spirit who dwells within us. And so we ask. It's not a bad idea to have brothers and sisters in Christ. And ask them. Sometimes God speaks to them just like God speaks to me through my wife because I'm too hard headed. There are times that God may speak, but listen, it's not just like I go up to, to well, Teresa's up here. I go up to Teresa. I say, Teresa, let me run something by you. Let me know what you think. And she says, Well, I think that's a terrible idea, Andy. Or maybe she says, I think that's a wonderful idea. And the more and more I think of it, like that's just not exactly what God wants. So we still bathe everything in prayer, but there's nothing wrong with asking our brothers and sisters in Christ saying, hey, this is what I'm thinking. Would you pray with me that I would know what God's will for my life is? What God's will is for this decision that I need to make? And then R, so H, humble yourselves. E, educate yourself. A, ask. H-E-A-R, R, hear, R, respond. Specifically, Respond in faith. Say, Lord, this is what you're calling me to do. And I'm going to do it. 
Help me, Lord. Despite what other people may think, despite whatever, how crazy it may sound, help me to respond in faith. Help me to say yes when the things that you're calling me to do. And an amazing thing begins to happen when you begin saying yes to God. When you begin saying yes to God, all of a sudden your ears unstop. And you start walking in this experience, all of a sudden things, like you're hearing things that you never heard before. Why? Because you're, you're available to him. Like you're listening. You're humbling yourself. You know God's word and so he's able to speak through his word. You're asking the right questions. Me, I was going through this sermon all the wrong ways. What I do, I turn to his word and what I begin asking God, what do you need us to hear? What do you, God, need us as your people to hear? And the resounding answer I got was, Andy, you can be a pretty hard-headed idiot. And I said, okay, Lord, point taken. Now, where do we go from here? And we respond in faith. So I'm gonna ask you to stand. And I don't know what, I have no idea what this looks like for you, but here's what I'm saying this morning. I think there are some of us, we've heard the voice of God. We know what his voice sounds like. And today he's calling us to respond. Maybe it's something we should have responded to like five years ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Maybe it's something God called us to this week and we're looking back and we're saying, man, I, I, like, I rebelled and I disobeyed. Maybe this morning it's that you need to make a decision to surrender your life to Christ. Maybe it all goes back to the very beginning. Like I'm just not entirely sure that I'm saved. Like I need to make sure. And so listen, church, if there is any decision you make today, please make the decision to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I'm begging you this morning, come up here and kneel at an altar of prayer. And I'm not saying you can't make this decision where you're sitting. But I am telling you that there are times in our life when we need to look at a moment in a moment in time because Satan's gonna attack and we need to look at that moment and say, I know, I know what is today, the 28th of June. I know that on the 28th of June, in faith, I stepped out from where I stood and in faith, I came to an altar and I prayed and I know on June 28th of 2020, one of the most difficult years that I'd ever experienced, on that day, I laid these things down at the foot of Jesus and I said, God, I am yours and help me to serve you with all that I am. And maybe that's what our prayer is this morning. God, would you help me to serve you with all that I am? Help me to lay aside the other voices. Help me to lay aside all these competed, competing ideologies. But help me, Lord, just to simply follow you. Would you pray with me, Heavenly Father?